section eighty one of the united states this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by betty b the world's story volume twelve the united states edited by eva march tappan section eighty one when washington took command seventeen seventy five by henry cabot lodge without any serious opposition in the name of the united colonies the congress adopted the army of new england men besieging boston as the continental army and proceeded to appoint a commander-in-chief to direct its operations practically this was the most important step taken in the whole course of the war of independence nothing less than the whole issue of the struggle for ultimate defeat or for ultimate victory turned upon the selection to be made at this crisis the choice of washington for commander-in-chief was suggested and strongly urged by john adams and when on the fifteenth of june the nomination was formally made by thomas johnson of maryland it was unanimously confirmed then washington rising said with great earnestness since the congress desire i will enter upon the momentous duty and exert every power i possess in their service and for the support of the glorious cause but i beg it may be remembered by every gentleman in the room that i this day declare with the utmost sincerity i do not think myself equal to the command i am honored with he refused to take any pay for his services but said he would keep an accurate account of his personal expenses which congress might reimburse should it see fit after the close of the war john fisk accompanied by lee and schuyler and with a brilliant escort he had ridden but twenty miles when he was met by the news of bunker hill did the militia fight was the immediate and characteristic question and being told that they did fight he exclaimed then the liberties of the country are safe given the fighting spirit washington felt he could do anything full of this important intelligence he pressed forward to newark where he was received by a committee of the provincial congress sent to conduct the commander-in-chief to new york there he tarried long enough to appoint schuyler to the charge of the military affairs in that colony having mastered on the journey its complicated social and political conditions pushing on through connecticut he reached watertown where he was received by the provincial congress of massachusetts on july second with every expression of attachment and confidence lingering less than an hour for this ceremony he rode on to the headquarters at cambridge and when he came within the lines the shouts of the soldiers and the booming of cannon announced his arrival to the english in boston the next day he rode forth in the presence of a great multitude and the troops having been drawn up before him he drew his sword beneath the historical elm tree and took command of the first american army his excellency wrote dr thatcher in his journal was on horseback in company with several military gentlemen it was not difficult to distinguish him from all others he is tall and well proportioned and his personal appearance truly noble and majestic he is tall and of easy and agreeable address the loyalist kerwin had remarked a few weeks before while mrs john adams warm-hearted and clever wrote to her husband after the general's arrival dignity ease and complacency the gentleman and the soldier 
look agreeably blended in him modesty marks every line and feature of his face those lines of dryden instantly occurred to me mark his majestic fabric he's a temple sacred by birth and built by hands divine his soul's the deity that lodges there nor is the pile unworthy of the god lady lawyer and surgeon patriot and tory all speak alike and as they wrote so new england felt a slave owner an aristocrat and a churchman washington came to cambridge to pass over the heads of native generals to the command of a new england army among a democratic people hard-working and simple in their lives and dissenters to the backbone who regarded episcopacy as something little short of papistry and quite equivalent to toryism yet the shout that went up from soldiers and people in cambridge common on that pleasant july morning came from the heart and had no jarring note a few of the political chiefs growled a little in later days at washington but the soldiers and the people high and low rich and poor gave him an unstinted loyalty on the fields of battle and throughout eight years of political strife the men of new england stood by the great virginian with a devotion and truth in which was no shadow of turning here again we see exhibited most conspicuously the powerful personality of the man who was able thus to command immediately the allegiance of this naturally cold and reserved people what was it that they saw that inspired them at once with so much confidence they looked upon a tall handsome man dressed in plain uniform wearing across his breast a broad blue band of silk which some may have noticed as the badge and symbol of a certain solemn league and covenant once very momentous in the english-speaking world they saw his calm high bearing and in every line of face and figure they beheld the signs of force and courage yet there must have been something more to call forth the confidence then so quickly given and which no one ever long withheld all felt dimly but none the less surely that here was a strong able man capable of rising to the emergency whatever it might be capable of continued growth and development clear of head and warm of heart and so the new england people gave to him instinctively their sympathy and their faith and never took them back the shouts and cheers died away and then washington returned to his temporary quarters in the wadsworth house to master the task before him the first great test of his courage and ability had come and he faced it quietly as the excitement caused by his arrival passed by he saw before him to use his own words a mixed multitude of people under very little discipline order or government in the language of one of his aides the entire army if it deserved the name was but an assemblage of brave enthusiastic undisciplined country lads the officers in general quite as ignorant of military life as the troops excepting a few elderly men who had seen some irregular service among the provincials under lord amherst with this force ill-posted and very insecurely fortified washington was to drive the british from boston his first step was to count his men and it took eight days to get the necessary returns which in an ordinary army would have been furnished in an hour when he had them he found that instead of twenty thousand as had been represented but fourteen thousand soldiers were actually present for duty in a short time however mr emerson the chaplain 
noted in his diary that it was surprising how much had been done and that the lines had been so extended and the work so shrewdly built that it was morally impossible for the enemy to get out except in one place purposefully left open a little later the same observer remarked there is a great overturning in the camp as to order and regularity new lords new laws the generals washington and lee are upon the lines every day the strictest government is taking place and great distinction is made between officers and soldiers bodies of troops scattered here and there by chance were replaced by well-distributed forces posted wisely and effectively in strong entrenchments it is little wonder that the worthy chaplain was impressed and now seeing it all from every side we too can watch order come out of chaos and mark the growth of an army under the guidance of a master mind and the steady pressure of an unbending will then too there was no discipline for the army was composed of raw militia who elected their officers and carried on war as they pleased in a passage suppressed by mr sparks washington said there is no such thing as getting officers of this stamp to carry orders into execution to curry favor with the men by whom they were chosen and on whose smile they may possibly think that they may again rely seems to be one of the principal objects of their attention i have made a pretty good slam amongst such kind of officers as the massachusetts government abounds in since i came into this camp having broke one colonel and two captains for cowardly behavior in the action on bunker hill two captains for drawing more pay and provisions than they had men in their company and one for being absent from his post when the enemy appeared there and burnt a house just by it besides these i have at this time one colonel one major one captain and two subalterns under arrest for trial in short i spare none and yet fear it will not all do as these people seem to be too attentive to everything but their own interests this may be plain and homely in phrase but it is not stilted and the quick energy of the word shows how the new england farmers and fishermen were being rapidly brought to discipline bringing the army into order however was but a small part of his duties it is necessary to run over all his difficulties great and small at this time and count them up in order to gain a just idea of the force and capacity of the man who overcame them washington moreover was obliged to deal not only with his army but with the general congress and the congress of the province he had to teach them utterly ignorant as they were of the needs and details of war how to organize and supply their armies there was no commissary department there were no uniforms no arrangements for ammunition no small arms no cannon no resources to draw upon for all these necessities of war little by little he taught congress to provide after a fashion for these things little by little he developed what he needed and by his own ingenuity and by seizing alertly every suggestion from others he supplied for better or worse one deficiency after another he had to deal with various governors and various colonies each with its own prejudices jealousies and shortcomings he had to arrange for new levies from a people unused to war and to settle with infinite anxiety and much wear and tear of mind and body the conflict as to rank among officers to whom he could apply no test 
but his own insight he had to organize and stimulate the arming of privateers which by preying on british commerce were destined to exercise such a powerful influence on the fate of the war it was neither showy nor attractive such work as this but it was very vital and it was done end of section eighty one